1: and welcome back to the show, everyone. We're so glad that you're tuning in each and every week. And today's guest is really—I love her story. I've done some digging in on her, and she sounds so much like me uh, when <laughs> I went through my story. Our paths went a little bit different, but you know, certainly the um, storyline behind it—you guys will so relate to um, because. We all do things in our life that lead us to finding what that purpose is that we were designed to be doing. And, the, and we have a path that we have to walk down in order to find that. And Dr. Tabitha Barber is going to share exactly what she did in, in getting into really zoning in on what her purpose is. She is a doctorate in osteopathic medicine. She is board certified in OB and GYN. She's a certified menopause practitioner. Um, hello, we can all use that. Uh, <laughs> functional medicine. She is the author from White Trash to White Coat, and she has devoted her life to giving women a voice, and a choice, and I love that. She is also a podcast host, so you guys will want to make sure that you go check out the Functional Gynecologist. Um, I love the name of that. And today's episode, we're going to hear about her personal story. Um, she has a lot of mental struggles that she went through. She has. She's going to describe to us the events that led to finding her purpose. Um, We're going to hear about perseverance and what that means in her life, and I'm going to be asking her to share with us kind of her top three things that she is seeing in change over when she first got into her field and what she's seeing today in her field. So Dr. Tabitha, we are so glad to have you on the show today and bring your story to light. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Amy. This is going to be awesome because you are just so sweet and I'm feeling super blessed to be here. You know, my work is about the why, so I love that you want to hear my purpose. That's amazing. Um, Go ahead.
1: I I said I do. I I think everybody needs to, you know, sometimes we don't step into that purpose until much later in life. Um, I know that was for me just you know, figuring out what what it was. So, you know, talk to us about the beginning because it's quite a story and Mm -hmm. I'd like you to walk us through it.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, I've been told multiple times that I should write a book because my life is pretty crazy and (laughs) I finally did that. Um, I was kind of just the lost child doing my thing, having fun with life. Um, I come from a big Catholic family. So, uh, my parents were just busy trying to provide and, you know, keep us fed. And so I had a lot of freedom and I didn't have a lot of guidance except I had my faith, which mm-hmm. looking back was my saving grace. So I, you know, didn't think much about my actions i just enjoyed being a kid i had fun and i got into too much partying as a young young teenager and eventually i became pregnant in high school i finished 11th grade and then i dropped out to have my daughter and take care of her and got married <laughs> and um i grew up I had to grow up pretty fast at that point so That was an eye-opening experience because prior to that, I didn't have health insurance. My family never had health insurance growing up. We rarely went to a doctor unless, you know, someone was dying. (laughs) So all of a sudden I was on Medicaid and was given a physician to deliver my baby and I wasn't treated very well. You know, I was a teenager on Medicaid and so... They treated me like a nuisance and I wasn't explained things. Things just happened to me. I didn't have a voice or a choice, Um, but I didn't know any other difference at the time. So I just went along with it, but I had a really traumatic birthing experience and it kind of left me scarred. And when I finally got my stuff together and I went back and got my GED and went to a community college, I started to realize that women do need a voice and a choice and that I could actually go on to be someone that could be that for them. So I realized that I wanted to become an OBGYN. I wanted to take care of women. I wanted them to feel loved and accepted and have choices.
1: So that was
2: a really long road.
1: (laughs) And I love hearing that, you know, I was also a teen mom and had very much the same experience as you did in the hospital where, uh, the first set of nurses in my, um, delivery experience were absolutely horrible. They treated me horribly and my, um, Lamaz coach, which was a neighbor of mine that was helping me, went out and actually got new nurses to come in and be with me because it was so bad, wow. um, the, the way that they were treating me. And I was in a in a Catholic educational college is mm-hmm. where I was at. And, um, and then again, in my recovery, I was actually in the hospital for 10 days because I had a really... Um, bad experience. Well, not, well, it was bad experience, but I had traumatic, you know, birthing process as well. And we had several nervous. It just is interesting to me that you had that same experience.
2: And yeah. Well, I think there's a stereotype, you know, and they assumed that I was a bad kid and didn't really care. And that was not true whatsoever. So I detail that in my book about those experiences and what I learned and what that taught me. And that actually started me on my first health journey because having that baby and going through that major stress made me really sick. I actually developed an autoimmune thyroid disorder. Okay. And I was told here, your thyroid no longer works. You just need this medicine and be on your way. And I remember thinking back that I went through like iodine scans and ultrasounds and biopsies and all this stuff and I never understood why or what they were looking for. I was just given the medicine sent on my way and I didn't think twice about it, you know, until I was in medical school almost a decade later. So sure. that was a long journey and I You know, I see women all day long who complain that I've been to 10 or 15 doctors. They can't figure out what's wrong with me. No one explains anything to me. And so I feel like this has been a pain to purpose for me. You know, I've gone through all of this so that I can stop and listen to these women and say, you're right, no one has taken the time. Let's take the time. Let's figure you out. Let's get to the root cause and just listen to them and let them know someone cares. So it's been a long, painful journey, and I've learned so much, but it's my purpose, you know? It's to help other women to get through their difficult times. So, you know?
1: A- absolutely, and and what a great voice you have. You know, what a great voice to be able to have that empathy you know, experiencing it firsthand and then be able to do that with the the women who come in and see you. And I think that it's a, a huge struggle. You know, so many of us are taught that we don't question the doctor, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we just take the information they give us and, and do what they say, you know, to do. And I think it's, it's important as women and as people that we understand, we know our bodies best, right? You know, we need to be able to have that voice and be that advocate, you know, for for ourselves.
2: Exactly. Excuse me. Exactly. That is what I learned along the way is, it's okay to ask questions. You're not, you know, telling the physician that they don't know what they're talking about, but you know your body best. And I think that's really important. And so for so long, medicine was a paternalistic model. I mean, it was when I went through medical school, the way we were trained, you know, to talk to our patients is just not how I talk to my patients. Right. It's a partnership and it needs to. I need to explain to them what I'm thinking, why I'm thinking it, and I just think you get better patient buy-in, you get actual change, and people can begin to heal when they realize that it's not just, here's a pill for your ill. Yeah, <laughs> it's a huge, um, it, it takes a lot of different areas, your diet, your lifestyle, getting rid of the toxin exposure. I mean, you talk about this all the time, right? <laughs> you know it, that.
1: Exactly. And And it's, and it's having the you know, some people want the choice. Some people want to participate. Some people want to make those changes. Some people are looking for the pill for the ill, right? You <laughs> right. Know? And, and, and so, you know, we can't reach everyone all the time, but we certainly can make a change where, you know, there's, a, there's a, a willingness to have that made.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. So you you so you went through your own thyroid issues so then you you talk about you were in med school a decade later. So I'm going to assume that you just kind of took the medicines that they told you to take. Did you start kind of learning hmm maybe I've got something else going on here. Maybe there's a better way to treat myself.
2: Well, what happened is I started I, I transferred to Michigan State University for undergrad and did pre med. That was pretty intense. And so I was busy studying and focused on succeeding and showing everybody that, you know, I wasn't a dumb dropout. I mean, I had a <laughs> lot to prove. And so I was working my butt off trying to raise my daughter and be successful. And so I never did a lot of self-reflection or self-care, definitely none. I mean, I was in survival mode for oh, a long, long time, sure. not sleeping, eating garbage. And so by the time I got into medical school, I had multiple other medical problems. I had heartburn and, you know that was turned out to be acid reflux and put on proton pump inhibitors. I had really bad depression put on Prozac. I had irritable bowel syndrome so terrible that I have had to run out on patients sometimes because I couldn't hold my bowels. Um, I was on medication for that. And so these medical issues piled up. And unfortunately, in conventional medicine, um, it's very... Heavily um, weighed on the pharmaceutical treatments. So I was taught if you have this symptom or this problem, here's the medicine to treat it. And I never stopped to think, hey, that's just treating the symptom. That's not getting to the root cause. What's, you know? So by the time I finished medical school, I was on five different medications and I wasn't healthy. I wasn't feeling well. It was just getting me by. It was just surviving. Right. And then I go into residency where I'm working 120 hours a week and not sleeping and eating garbage hospital food. No offense. Um, <laughs> yes. it, and, and that of was... All places to have poor food. <laughs> I know. I know, right? I it was understand. the yeah. worst. <laughs> so bad for you. So <laughs> I was just... And it was this joke of you have to sacrifice your own health and your own personal life and well-being to take care of other people. That is the mentality in the conventional medical world. You are not a good doctor unless you are sleep-deprived and miserable and your hair's falling out and you're overweight. Then you are successful because you have given your all. And it took me a good decade of pain and misery and finally a, you know, a back injury to stop and think this is not right. This is crazy. And I'm just going to go against everyone in my world and take a step back and say no more because it doesn't make sense. It's, it's moronic, honestly, to, to destroy yourself, to think that that's helping other people, and it's not. It makes you look like a hypocrite, and it really isn't sustainable, so you burn out. I mean, the burnout rate for physicians is just skyrocketed in the last 20 years, and it's because of that mentality and, you know, our diet and everything else. But it wasn't sustainable for me. I had a back injury. I had to be off of work for four months, and I finally got clarity. As soon as I was out of that world for a minute, I realized there's more to life. <laughs> and <laughs> wow, look and at I that. wasn't really healing my patients. You know, I was just managing them. I was just getting them through to till their next appointment so they yeah. could tell me their next complaint and I could give them their next pill. And when I found the world of functional medicine and my eyes were opened, I couldn't go back. You know, once you figure out Wow, you find the root cause and deal with that and fix that and you can actually heal people and reverse autoimmune disease and prevent cancer. Like that's just amazing and it breaks my heart that that isn't standard of care. That's not part of the conventional medicine world and it won't be for a long time, but that's okay. I I'm I'm okay with going against the grain and being the black sheep. So <laughs> yeah.
1: I feel like I feel like the people that I talk to maybe I live in my own little bubble here. I don't know, <laughs> you know. It's a pretty good bubble I think. But I see more and more, you know, the lifestyle you described. How is that benefiting anyone? You know, mm-hmm. you're not a benefit to your patients. You weren't benefit to you, yourself, your daughter, you know, everybody. And I've mm-hmm. had more physicians on the podcast and they all talk about that lifestyle and how devastating it is, you know, yeah. to them emotionally and physically
2: so it is and you're just a a risk to your patients you know i used to be up all night delivering babies and then do surgery all the next day when i was sleep deprived i mean that's not safe but that was what was expected of me so
1: and and so so true and and yet you know the vast majority of the people want to still live in that model um, where medical error is, I think, what is that? The number two cause of death is medical right. error. You know, prescription mm-hmm. error. You know, it's it's just it's way up there. The science shows. So, so you're off for four months. So,
2: <laughs> That's and, when I wrote my book. Actually, yeah. I had nothing else to do.
1: <laughs> I love it. So, in that time frame, being able to take a step back from it you know wh- and i get it when we're in the midst of something we can't see anything clearly but mm-hmm. when we can step away um you know then then we can see clearly so during this healing time this was way more than just healing your body wasn't it
2: oh yeah i mean i healed my body my mind my soul i realigned with my purpose the whole point of me going into medicine i realized I can actually help women in a better way. So once I found functional medicine, I've just been studying nonstop, trying to connect with other people in that community, and that space, because it's so beautiful and it's so much more meaningful and satisfying. So now what brought you to functional medicine? How did that I was trying to heal myself. I was trying to figure out how to um, get rid of my back pain and avoid another surgery. So what had happened was I was trying to run regularly to be healthy. That was what I was told to do. Um, So I took up running and I ran a, a 10K too fast and I thought I strained my hamstring. And for almost a year, I walked around with hamstring pain and quit running Um, But every time I did surgery or delivered a baby, it would flare up really bad. And I finally got to the point um, that I insisted on an MRI and realized, I think I have a herniated disc. My, My calf started going numb. That was kind of my turning point. So I did, in fact, have a herniated disc in my back and it was ruptured. So the surgeon said, yeah, you need to have that fixed at this point. So... Uh, I was really hesitant to take six weeks off for surgery. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine leaving my patients for six weeks, but I did it because I got to the point where I couldn't function. Right. So I was a good girl. I did exactly what they said. I laid low for six weeks. I did what I was supposed to do. I went back and I was on call for five days straight because every time you leave, you get punished. (laughs) So... (laughs) On my third night of call, um, I re-injured my back and I couldn't move. And that was a huge turning point because the orthopedic surgeon said, okay, well, that failed. So now you get a bunch of hardware in your back. We're going to fuse you. And then you're probably going to herniate above and below because those areas are now more weakened. So it's... He said, it's like Lay's potato chips. You can't just have one. I said, I do not want more back surgery. This is not the answer for me. You know, obviously what I'm doing is not working for my life. And my diet was horrible. My stress was out of control. You know, I was running the candle at both ends. And so somehow I got turned on to Mark Hyman. And once I started listening to him, That was it. You know, I never looked back and I did heal my back. I didn't have a second surgery and I changed how I ate and how I managed my stress. And I completely revamped my whole life, actually. And my my poor family, they had to go through it with (laughs) me. (laughs) But they're much better off for it. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're much better off for it and when i went back to work i started setting boundaries and saying no and not functioning you know sleep deprived and when they didn't want to work with me anymore i left i said you know this is not right this is not how it should be so i got to go do my own thing and now i do functional gynecology full time i don't do i don't deliver babies i don't do surgery it's just my body can't handle it. Yeah. At least not right now. So, Did you know that many
1: of us have symptoms of toxin overload in our bodies, but we don't even know it? Signs of a toxic overload could be headaches, fatigue, insomnia, skin issues like acne and psoriasis, and hormonal imbalances, and the list just keeps on going. But the problem I had, and I'm sure many of you have had, is how can you know how well you're managing your toxic risk? That's why I've put together a free toxic risk assessment that will help you discover what products might be contributing to your toxic symptoms and what small changes you can make to detox and cleanse your health. After you take the assessment, you're going to get my free toxic free home shopping guide. This is the easy button for finding the right products to shop for. These are the products I've been using in my home and the products I give my stamp of approval on. Take your free assessment now at amycarlson.com to get on the path of detoxing and cleansing your health. During this four months, you talked about healing your body, healing your mind. And you described to us you know, while you were going through that lifestyle, you had irritable bowel syndrome, you had acid reflux going on, and you had a host of other issues with the thyroid, um, autoimmune disease. How is that in your life now?
2: It is all very well controlled and it will flare up if I eat the wrong things, if I... Um, So what I did majorly was I went organic. That was, I think, the biggest turning point for me and my family was getting that constant pesticide exposure out of our system. You know, we were living on um, a lot of quesadillas. So you got the flour tortilla with the cheese, um, (laughs) cheese. I mean, mac and cheese, grilled cheese. So it's just a lot of wheat products and dairy products, the two most inflammatory things that someone with autoimmune disease can eat. So once I got that out of my system and went organic, I noticed huge change in my bowels and my fatigue level. Then I started thinking about xenoestrogens, you know, we would heat everything in plastic. I drank out of plastic water bottles, like everything was plastic because I was always on the go running, you know, around. And I really made a concerted effort to try to get the xenoestrogens out of my system. You know, I had heavy, crazy periods and I couldn't take birth control pills because they gave me headaches and other issues. So once I finally started getting those toxins out of my everyday life, my hormones balanced out a little bit. You know, the stress management helped as well. Oh, sure. But, sure. But getting those toxins out of my system helped a ton. Um, And like I said, the stress management. So just not living in a heightened state, sympathetic state all of the time, not letting everything get to me, not being like running from place to place, having, you know, some boundaries that made a big difference. And all of a sudden, I didn't have heartburn anymore. My bowels became regular. I could sleep. I mean, it was it was just beautiful. And once you like figure all that out and you feel better, it's easy not to go back.
1: At all, exactly. <laughs> I I I work with people and I always tell them, once you have a win, it's easier to make that next right choice. We just gotta do yeah. an early win because if I can do that with you, now it's gonna be you're gonna be more prone to make that next right choice. Um, so you, you kind of glossed over this whole mindset thing. (laughs) And I want to go back to that because we heard the, um, xenoestrogens. And so you looked at plastics, especially removing plastics out of your environment. You talked about the food getting good, you know, organic food, getting rid of some of the dairy sounds like, um, we did that. So talk to me about what, what were maybe like top two things that you did that really helped you not live in that fight or flight syndrome?
2: So I happened upon Dan Harris's work, 10% Happier. I don't even remember how. Um, I think I might have found his podcast. But 10% Happier is the idea that you can meditate for five or 10 minutes a day and engage your parasympathetic system, and it makes a world of difference. And I started doing that in an Epsom salt bath a couple times a week, and I quickly became addicted to how I felt. I felt so much calmer and at peace. And so I found myself meditating a few times a day, and that was huge, huge change, very very huge change. And I started, I took the, my app was on the, my phone. So I took it to work and I got four or five of my colleagues to do it with me at lunchtime. And we consistently did that for probably a month. And it brought us together as a group. It got us more aware of the craziness of the office and how toxic it was. And that we were going to do some self-care together. So it was a really beautiful thing. And I just think that we need more of that, you know? We're starting to do it in the school system, things like that, but it really helped in my workplace. That was my old job. Um so I consequently left. I don't know if they're still doing it without me or not. I hope they are because I think it just made our office flow better. It made us more productive. And we were just happier overall.
1: Oh, when you've got anxiousness and anxiety, you can feel that. You, you know, oh, when you yeah. walk in, you can just feel that. What a what a beautiful thing to leave as a legacy behind. <clears throat> maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but you know that ripple effect was started.
2: Mm-hmm yeah so everyone should listen to joseph goldstein. He's amazing he's the main he's the main guy on the ten percent happier app.
1: Well, we will check that out. I'm a huge proponent in meditation. um I remember when I first started uh it was like. I could maybe make it through a minute, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, because I just couldn't quiet. And even in that minute, I'm like, okay, I have to go do this. I have to read this. I have to, you know, I could not quiet the mind down. Uh, and learning how to meditate and get into that, you know, space. And now I do it in my infrared sauna for 30 minutes at a time. It's beautiful. Oh,
2: that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I love
1: it. Yeah. I'm getting all kinds of therapy within that little, you know, escalator. Yeah, exactly.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: Wonderful. Okay. So we talked about um, removing the, you know, the food, we did good with the food um And so now you're in the field of functional gynecology. And, and so you took that four months, you wrote your book. Um, so, and that was called, did I get that right from white trash to white coat?
2: Yes. The birth of Catherine's purpose. So I fictionalized my story just for legality purposes, but pretty much the, the lessons learned are all there and it's, My hope is that when people read it, they reflect on their own life and figure out their purpose and their path in life. Because I have a strong faith and I believe that we're here to do something good. You know, we're supposed to live like Jesus and help one another and do our best. And so we just need to tap into that more regularly. I think that we just get to the point that we're going mindlessly through our days trying to get our jobs done and go to this softball game and do that. And we aren't stopping to think, why am I here? What am I doing? Why? What is all this for? And so I want people to reflect when they read. I mean... You should be eighteen to read it. It's kind of <laughs> in a few points um, because I did do a lot of stuff. But um, no, I'm just teasing. So <laughs> not really.
1: <laughs> in the face. I'm saying no. That's not. But,
2: a <laughs> no, honestly, I I had a seventy-seven-year-old patient the other day. Sweet as pie. Her husband was in the appointment, and they both read my book, and they were just so thankful that I shared my story and they said, you know, we did a lot of reflecting and it was just wonderful to get back to why are we here and what is our path. So it's for all ages. It's you know, I think it's a good read, but you should check it out for yourself.
1: Absolutely, I want to check that out. I'm a avid avid reader. I'm always reading books, so that's on the list um, of next and I love that 77. You know, and still looking for a better quality of life. That's fantastic. Yes. I love that. So now we went from the office where we started the ripple effect and then we got into, so are you in your own practice now?
2: Um, So I work at a wellness center in the same town and I just do functional gynecology consults and I also do vaginal rejuvenation and laser therapy because I find it to be so beneficial and needed for women in our area. And it's not covered by insurance. That's a whole nother issue. So I do that as well because it's such a huge need. And I feel that a lot of physicians ignore women's vaginal health, especially after menopause. So I really have a strong um, desire to keep that going. But most of my time is done with consultative work and just really helping women find their blockages figure out why they can't make the changes because a lot of women you know go on the internet they read the latest diet they know what they need to do but they can't do it there's a block there's a disconnect and we have to connect the dots and figure out what that is and then there's medical problems that aren't getting to the root cause and so we really spend a lot of time on that and i my goal is to give women back their hope and their full functioning ability. You know, we should be thriving in our 40s and 50s. We shouldn't, I have so many physicians that are telling these patients that they're getting older and this is just what happens. That's a bunch of crap. Like I'm sorry, (laughs) I just turned 45. That is a bunch of crap. It's not age. It it's not. It's our life. It's what we're doing. It's our environmental toxins. It's our horrible diet. It really is.
1: I I agree with you one hundred percent. And we're gonna to have to have you come back on on another episode and talk specifically about vaginal rejuvenation and you know, menopause, perimenopause, menopause and what women go through and how our lifestyle affects that. I think that For would be sure. like a phenomenal episode of and on its own. And I would you know, love it. Myself.
2: <laughs> I would love to do that. And just for your listeners, you can get my free guide. Um, it's called The Functional Gynecologist Guide to Balancing Hormones During Perimenopause. Um, if you go on my website, www.drtabitha.com, and those are all A's, no I in my name, but you can get that free guide. It is so helpful just to like start to tackle your diet, your stress, um, your toxin exposure, it will make a difference and it will make your hormones so much easier to balance. Because honestly, menopause should not be a terrible, difficult situation. It really shouldn't. It should be a smooth transition, a few bumps in the road, but it you know, the media has made it out to be like, we're crazy ladies that can't handle anything. And it's just a miserable time. And then we need to put you in the back corner and never look at you again. Like that is not at all how nature intended that that is man-made. We did that to ourselves,
1: it, and exactly. And if you study any cultures in other areas of the world besides here in the U.S., menopause is a beautiful thing. They don't have many of the symptoms that we do here exactly. in in the U.S. I, I sh- I'll share a funny story, and I think I've shared this before on the podcast, but um, because my I was that crazy woman. I I mean seriously, like one moment. I could be happy, joyous, and free in the next moment. I want to kill somebody. And, and I knew it was happening, but it was like I was living out here. I couldn't control this person over here. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. But my husband, when we first started coming down to Arizona, we lived in our motor home. And, you know, nice big motor home. But when I would come out of the bedroom, there was a door. And he was always looking at me really funny. <laughs> and I said to him one day, I'm like, what? Why? What's with the look that you're giving me when I when I wake up and I I come out? Because he's always awake before I am, and he's like, well, I'm just seeing which Amy's walking out of the bedroom.
2: Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> and it's like, oh
1: my gosh! You know, so you we always are always thinking about ourselves and the effect that our imbalanced hormones have on ourselves, but we're affecting every loved one that we have in our life. We really are.
2: For sure. And I just don't think when you're in the thick of it that you realize there's a way out and that it's not normal. You know, around where I practice, everybody's overstressed and overworked. So they assume it's normal and that they should be able to handle it. And I promise it's not normal. I mean, this is a new phenomenon in our culture in the past couple decades. Women, we are doing more and, you know, We're just exhausting ourselves and we need to set some boundaries and say no. You know what I mean?
1: I love that because that is so, so true that we don't realize that it's not a normal. I I remember my life was full of lots and lots of stress as well. And I remember the doctor saying, well, you live a stressful life. And I'm like, but it's my life. It is what it is. You know, it was like, I don't know any different. Right. and what I am living in. And that is so, so true for so many women, men, ki- kids, look at what we do into our children.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Oh, I never had all the activities and the crazy full schedules that my kids had when I was a kid. I mean, it's, it's pretty insane what we've created. And you just have to take a step back and realize that if you're not handling it well, it's okay to Calm it down a little bit. You don't have to go to every event. You don't have to play every sport. You don't have to excel and try to outdo everybody. Like, it's okay to just go to school and come home and play outside for a couple hours. You know, that's what I'm trying to tell my kids. And, Anne,
1: you listen to that advice for the child. It's okay to do that as an adult. You know, get to get out there and get dirty, walk in the dirt, walk in the Mm -hmm. grass, you know, connect with nature, Uh, get get off the electronics, put those down. And, you know, it connect with the people that are living and breathing around you.
2: Yeah, I have so many patients who never even go outside beyond getting in their car. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. Like, don't you understand nature is life? It It regenerates you. And I need to be better at giving, taking my own advice because I get in the same rut, you know, go to work, go home, go to kids games. And it's just on repeat. And you really do need a reset button every once in a while.
1: Absolutely. So I want to finish up our interview in asking you, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen within women's care? um you know over your time working in that in that field
2: well i will tell you you know in the conventional medical world it is pretty darn common for women to have really abnormal cycles heavy periods painful periods i feel like Endometriosis and fibroids are on the rise. PCOS is definitely on the rise. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a more of a metabolic issue, okay. and um, and obesity. Mm-hmm. So, in the obstetrics world, m- more pregnant women have gestational diabetes, preeclampsia with hypertension, and are you know heart disease that I just, I didn't, I didn't see like that in residency. So it's all increasing. And this is all due to our diet and lifestyles. So it's completely reversible. Um, I love that in the functional medicine space that we have gotten away from the idea that the birth control pill fixes hormones. It you know it's been revealed that that does not fix hormones synthetic hormones don't fix your hormones right thank you Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and so i'm on a personal mission to help you know ob in the conventional world realize that and stop using that as a fix because it's not it should be used for birth control the way it was intended with the understanding that you are shutting down your HPO axis, you're not making your own hormones, you're not having an actual period, and that period, your period is a sign of your health. It's, you know, if your period is heavy and painful and you have crazy PMS and no one wants to talk to you for a week, that means something's not right. Just like menopause shouldn't be disastrous, your period every, every month should not be as well. It should be a smooth situation. You should feel a little more tired, you know, have a little bit of carb craving, that type of thing and lay low and not, you know, want to exercise so heavy. But you shouldn't be crazy woman who your husband <laughs> doesn't want to see for a week. You shouldn't be in bed in the fetal position in tons of pain. You know, right. those are indicators that your system is inflamed. you're not listening to it it's not happy so those are the big ones that I see and I just love that I have new tools in my toolbox and not just a darn birth control pill to manage that
1: right well and what a beauty it is and you know you're just describing exactly why I do what I do is that you know chronic disease in, in all its form is on the rise and um it's and it's so completely reversible it's such a its makes me sad when people don't realize that they absolutely don't have to feel the way that they feel. They don't have to endure what they are enduring. Um so you're seeing it the same way in the in the women's health field, you're seeing the same thing that we're seeing, and um, you know, exactly. and God bless you for being that voice, you know, because I liked what you said that you do what you do within your functional medicine realm. But you're also still working with Western medicine and talking with them to teach them, Mm -hmm. you know, that this is not the right answer. So, you know, thank you for doing that Um, and mirroring, not mirroring, but um, bringing the two worlds together. Because I think when we can do that, where it's not a a one versus the other, but we can actually get them working together, um, you know, that's when beautiful things are going to really start happening for all of us.
2: Exactly. That's that's my vision. I just want everyone to come together and learn from each other. You know, it was clear to me when I left conventional medicine and was not doing 4 to 6 surgeries every week, but I'm healing patients better with the same medical conditions. What does that tell you? Right. That we're over-surgerizing people. We are over-medicating them. There are other ways because those are not getting to the root cause. So that has been super eye-opening for me that I can treat endometriosis without cutting on someone. You know, that that's been a huge life change for me and for my patients. And so I would rather get women healthy before getting them pregnant so that they have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby instead of getting them once they're already pregnant with gestational diabetes and hypertension and trying to manage that and keep that baby alive. It's just so much more rewarding.
1: Yeah. Uh, What a beautiful story. And I just... You know, our hearts are so in line and, and, you know, what we're trying to do. And I just love how your story unfolds, you know, how, you know, life, you know, God is using you in such miraculous ways. And I just... You know it's a beautiful story, and I want my listeners to be able to you know connect with you. So first of all, we want to get the book. So again, (laughs) the book is uh, from White Trash to White Coat because we've had enough teasers on it from this episode that (laughs) it sounds like it's going to be a good one. And then is the best way to connect with you through your website, the um, uh, DrTabitha.com.
2: Sure. Or I love social media. So Facebook or Instagram, Dr. Tabitha, I'm on there quite a bit. You know, you can get my book on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, or through my website directly. But awesome. I'm definitely going to send you a copy for free. I, want I you love to read that. It.
1: Thank you. And don't forget to get the free guide. You know, So go to the website and, and get the yes. free guide. I love that. Um, let's check it out. I want to leave the, the closing to you, Dr. Tabitha. Do you have you know, final thoughts, final things that you want to share with the audience that in, in wrapping this up?
2: I want women to know that it's never too late to feel good. Honestly, it's never too late to make changes and the best is yet to come. I am a personal example of that. You can get regain control of your life. You can do something different. You are not stuck in your situation. You're not stuck in your health situation and you really can take control. You need some guidance, an advocate, someone like you, like Amy, to help guide you. And you can feel better. You can live a vibrant, healthy, balanced life, right? Absolutely. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. I, you know, we're so in line with that journey that, um, you know, I'm, I'm 54. You said you were 45. Uh, You know, I didn't even start this journey till seven years ago. So
2: I know you're amazing. (laughs) I think that's so awesome that you're doing all of this and that you're affecting so many people's lives and you're making such a huge difference. And it takes, you know, just ignoring the fear and going, taking that leap and it's okay. You'll get through it and it will be worth it because that's your path, right? Absolutely. So amen to that.
1: <laughs> amen. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your heart and your mission uh, and your passion with all of
2: us. Oh, Thank you, Amy. It's great to know you.